Hello. Before you listen to this episode, I would like to add a disclaimer. The opinions of the four people on this episode are solely our own, which means that my opinion does not represent the other people's opinions in this episode, and it also does not mean that their opinion represents my own. We share some of our personal opinions and personal beliefs about certain things in this episode, and let it also be known that our opinions do not represent our employers, our families, our other colleagues, and that only the things that come out of our mouths are the things that we are beholden to. Also, we reserve the right to access new information over time and change or alter our opinion. For example, later in this episode, you'll he'll, you will hear one of my friends say that tax dollars lead to violence. Inherently, that seems like a comment that people could get up in arms about. By way of logic and argument, he is explaining that the American people pay tax dollars, and then the military and the police are funded directly by American tax dollars. Therefore, anytime a police killing happens or a war or combat death in the military happens, it is an example of violence that was technically funded by tax dollars. That is his opinion alone. Whether myself or others agree with it is not disclosed. My friends and I on this episode have known each other for four-ish years, four or five years. Um, We've been through good times and bad times and tough times together. Uh, We've argued, we've discussed, we've debated different topics. My opinion is different than theirs. And theirs is different than mine. We all bring four unique perspectives to this. There's many things that we agree on and many things that we disagree on. But I think the bottom line and the lesson that we have to learn is that we're open and we're honest and we're willing to hear one another out. I hope you do the same. I hope you give us all the benefit of the doubt. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Out in the Open podcast, a podcast where we have conversations that should be having but are currently not. These are conversations we should have at our dinner tables in our backyards, around campfires, or anywhere where conversations are being had. 
Uh, we've talked about multiple different topics in the past, but today we have a few unique topics that uh, really hit home for myself and a few of my friends. So I've invited a few of my friends to join me. Um, this is the first episode where I've had multiple guests, and I um, am excited to have them on today. Uh, I have three of my friends, John, Danny, and Chelsea. Uh, I met all of them going to university at UCO, and I'm not sure exactly where I met them, but we formed a long-standing friendship, so I'll let them introduce themselves. John? Hello, I am John Creter. Um, I teach sixth grade geography. Uh, this is my first year teaching. I also graduated from UCO with Dakota. And a uh, couple facts about me is that uh, I am straight edge, meaning I don't drink, smoke, or do drugs. And uh, I, I love the color pink, like the jacket I'm wearing right now. So I'll start with that. My name is Danny Boykin. I also teach uh, sixth grade geography. Um, here's a fact about me. I'm not straight edge. Um, I don't, I don't smoke, but I, I, you know, I'm an adult and uh, <laughs> I've got my things. And, um, also I, I, uh, I like, uh, professional wrestling like um, Mr. Creeter does. Catch us on book it podcast sometimes. Uh, that's a wrestling podcast we've done together. Plug. Yeah, yeah we'll plug that podcast as well. Chelsea. <laughs> Um, I'm Chelsea Robinson, and I am a high school U.S. history and government teacher, um, and that's it. That's it? That's no it. facts about Chelsea. Nothing <laughs> there is nothing Chelsea. to know about Chelsea. <laughs> she does nothing but teach all day. Like when she's, day. In her, she's in her bedroom, she just has a projector <laughs> up on the wall. <laughs> like, so here Sometimes is a like constitution. <laughs> she's yelling soda. Like soda. Sometimes it seems like it. Well, as you can tell, all four of us are teachers. So one of the topics that we're going to talk about today is a kind of a bundle of different topics that we have come over the past, I don't know, year or two years. Um, we are going to talk about education in general, since the four of us are teachers, but also we're going to talk about mental health and how we've dealt with that over the past, however long COVID has been um, a pandemic. Uh, we are going to talk about burnout, something that we've all experienced or all come close to experiencing. We'll, we'll talk about the general climate around politics that we've encountered over the past year and how that has affected our lives. And um, as long as we can go, this is a very orga organic conversation. So I'll open the floor to whoever has anything that they want to address on education or mental health or anything. If I could add, we're also educators in Oklahoma, which is uh, notoriously uh, poor on how people uh, really treat education in the state. So I think we also bring a perspective of being in a, yeah, <laughs> being in that kind of situation. Well, also to add to that, the governor, Governor Stitt just, fired and then hired his like he fired his own appointees is that correct and he, appointed he fired, i'm sorry he fired one of his appoint appointees and one that was appointed by mary fallon okay. but then he's appointed one of them but not another okay and what do you know anything about the new appointee i heard uh, that I she's know. very 
Go ahead. She's, from what I know, and I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Um, no, you're good. From what I know, she's like anti-mask, I believe, and like pro um, getting us back, like getting us back in the building and schools and um, also like uh, your stereotypical Oklahoma conservative Christian, really. Okay. And John, I know that you have been very outspoken or at least in our group outspoken about how you feel about teachings during the pandemic. So yes. elaborate on that. Um, so I honestly feel that uh, we're being put in a situation where our lives are at risk. I mean, it's obvious with COVID that this stuff can kill you and it can have long-standing effects even if you're a healthy young person like you know we all are. Um, sometimes it can be mild and not do anything to you. But is that a risk worth taking? And we in, you know, me and Danny and I, we teach in a more inner city area in Oklahoma. So we are going to have larger class sizes. We're going to have less PPE because we're poorer schools. And we're going to have just overall less parent involvement. Um, all the things that would help make it go kind of, sort of smooth don't exist. And, you know, we lean on our admins because we have are lucky to have pretty good ones. But... Um, when it goes up the ladder, I feel like it's carelessness, and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying not to go too far, but I think that whoever is at the very the very first voice making that decision, and my guess is Kevin Stitt, and I think I can openly criticize him as we're allowed to make political speech. Maybe not so much people in our district, but if it's Kevin Stitt making that first call, uh, he should catch a manslaughter charge for every death from a teacher or a student and spend the rest of his life in jail. And I think anybody making that choice should deal with that because you are choosing in a situation where it's not necessary, especially when students have devices that we worked hard to get out to them. Um, you're choosing to put them in harm's way. And we're so close to this vaccine. Like, can we not wait like, you know, till next school year? We're, we're like already halfway through the school year. We're getting used to it. And we're so close to starting the vaccine. Teachers are like, right after nursing home workers and we can start the transition then but to do it beforehand is just asinine especially during the holidays when we're gonna have big spikes and have had big spikes it took the post halloween red spike to close down our schools and that's just in one district other districts are still clinging on so right that's my piece I think, on that. the, I think in the oklahoma city area where all of us live the school i think our two school districts Chelsea and I teach in Putnam City, and John and Danny teach in Oklahoma City Public. Uh, but I think our two schools are the only two schools right now that, while being in category red of 50 positive cases of 100,000 people, and 50 cases per 100,000 people, um, were the only two school districts that are closed right now. Because I believe Edmond, Yukon, Mustang, Choctaw, Norman, and I live in Norman, so Norman, we're open. Norman and Middell, they're all open, while ours are at least the two districts that are making the difficult decision to close us right now. Um, and it is difficult because you're not, I mean, for example, I have some kids who, whether it's the whether they're taking advantage of it or not, I mean, I don't truly know, or they're just mentally exhausted from going to school and going back to school and they might not, I think a hundred percent of my kids are on free and reduced lunch. So they're not wealthy 
it's not a wealthy school by any means. And so they might worry about where their next meal comes from and their parent has to work two jobs, but also their grandparent that might live with them might get infected by COVID. So they might have to die. So school is not their number one worry right now. And so they are not having to like school is not their priority right now. And we're trying to force them back into something that um, is not. Danny. Well, I, um, the, to that hundred <clears throat> percent completely agree. And to add on to it, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are trying to push, make this a normal situation in a not normal situation, really. I mean, I saw a quote where someone had said, you know, if these kids aren't um, falling behind in school, they're surviving a pandemic. Um, right. A lot of them are trying really hard. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's really no winning um, combination for it. It's not fun on the schools. It's not fun on teachers. It's not fun on students or parents. Um, it's just a struggle all around, but we have to remember that, or I, I, I wished people remembered more anyway, that we're more, we're surviving a pandemic and we're not like, you know, falling behind in schools. Right. Exactly. Chelsea, did you have something to say? Yeah. So along with what I've been seeing, a lot of my, my kids are in high school. So a lot of them, since they're the oldest in their family, they're taking the responsibilities a lot of times because we are in a low SES district. So their parents have to go to work in the daytime, a lot of them. And so they're in charge of doing the housework and taking care of their siblings and making sure their younger siblings are doing their homework. So they have to put their stuff on the back burner. And then a lot of them also do have part-time jobs and these jobs are a lot of times exploiting them. So since they're at home and they know they're at home, they're saying, oh, you can get extra hours or you can come in and work. And so they're getting overwhelmed with, well, I do want to get some extra money, but also I have this schoolwork to do and I have this work at home to do and I have to help my siblings. And so they're really struggling to try to balance all this stuff and the the part-time jobs are really exploiting them and it's not really helping their situation, especially when they do need the money. So they're going to jump at any opportunity. John, John, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to try not to make this too much of like a call out spam session. Um, no, but like, I felt there's been some inappropriate responses to this, not just from people up the ladder, but people in the same place in the ladder as us. Um, because like Danny said, we're not, you know, this isn't normal. Stop trying to pretend it is. And, you know, we shouldn't be doing like, like when we just did benchmark tests. Why? We all know the data is going to be skewed. It's all going to be low. Kids are barely going to do it. And for multiple reasons, like we lost six weeks of school because we started three weeks late. We had an ice storm that put them out. Uh, you know, we had a week where we tried to go back in person, so we reintroduced ourselves. We've lost so many weeks of school. So things that should be a week of instruction are a day. Things that should be a day of instruction are a PowerPoint slide. Um, so they're rushed. They're rushed, rushed, rushed. Or if you took your time, you're way behind. So half the stuff on the benchmark hasn't been covered yet. It's one of those two situations. And uh, why are we doing benchmarks? Or like, a lot of teachers are mad that we have to give 50s instead of zeros right now. And it's just like, why? Like, it is kind of unfair that half the pool of grades you can get is a failing grade. I like the 50-point scale idea to where you can still give no, no credit but easier to bounce back from. 
which is the whole point of 50 right. days grading. Mm -hmm. And so many teachers are throwing the biggest fits. Like one was like, they're going to be entitled. And I was just like, well, we are entitled to some compassion when we're surviving the most catastrophic event in our lifetimes that happens every hundred years. Or like um, somebody was like, well, taxes are going to go, go up if we keep this entitlement culture up. It's like our taxes don't go to giving anybody anything here. They go to violence, but that's another conversation. And um, it, it's just like, it was, it, it's, I think it's ridiculous that people are just mad that they can't, you know, slap kids with zeros and the kids will be challenged any other way. They're challenged to exist, bro. Like I was saying this and one of my admins agreed with me on this and was telling me in our PLC and we were just kind of venting and like, uh, and I was like, I'll be straight up. I'm a guy who has it all. Like I live in a nice house in Norbin. I just got engaged to the love of my life. I drive a decent car for the first time ever. And, you know, I buy a bunch of fancy clothes and my hair is cool. And I live a good life. I really do. And I struggle to wake up and not think I could blow my brains out and end it all tomorrow and not have to deal with this shit anymore. And um, that imagine a sixth grader whose brain isn't developed. I'm 24. My brain's almost there, like all the way developed. Their brains aren't fully developed. They can't see their friends. They can't do anything. Some of them are without, you know, food and without a decent home life or relationship with their families, and they can't talk to their friends or they haven't been able to make friends. And all this is just piling up on them. And these teachers are like, "Yes, let's just pile them up with zeros and fail them in the sixth grade. That will help them." My God, it makes me so mad. <laughs> so that's my point. Um, I'm gonna let Chelsea go. Um... But do, on the part that you said, we'll expand that later after what Chelsea said, but um, on the part of people wanting teachers getting upset that they can't fail kids, I think is a, something we should talk about. But go, Chelsea, you had something to say, so go ahead. Yeah, I was going to add on to the 50 base grading because we do use that in our district. It's district policy. So uh for me i like it because we learned about it at school and they told us the why and how it helps the kids and so i'm really for it a lot of the um more experienced teachers it's hard for them to grasp their head around it because they're so used to giving the zeros so that's where i've been seeing the disconnect they are sort of they're not really comfortable with transitioning to that because in their minds, they see if someone doesn't, doesn't do anything, that's just a zero. And so that's not fair to the kids who do do stuff in their mind. But it, to me, it's the 50 based grading. A 50 is still an F and the 50 plus 50 plus 50 all averaged together is still a 50. So if they don't do anything, they're still gonna get an F. But the kids who do do something, it's way easier for them to be able to get it together and be like, okay, now, I'm going to actually turn some stuff in and they can actually get their grade up instead of seeing that zero. Like there's no way for me to get it up. So I'm just not even going to try. And especially during this time when it's so hard to find motivation, if it's hard for us to find motivation and get up and do our work. And I know it's hard for them to find motivation when we're stuck in our houses, there's not anything for them. So that was what I wanted to add on that part. Chelsea, you, you lagged out at the end, but well, it was good. Um, that's the past two times that you talked, you've lagged out, but 
at the very end. So it's at least you're not like lagging in and out. Well, yeah, um, I don't know what's wrong with my Wi-Fi, but you know, you get the no, point. <laughs> I understand. You live in Midwest City. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, uh, I just, I want to add to the point or expand on the topic of teachers that can't they're getting upset at that they can't fail kids because I think it's a bigger topic than this, um, than just education. But I think the root of it is education because all of us teach in high, um, high, most of our students are of our minorities. They're either black or brown students. And I, I even have a, a big Asian population in my students. Um, and if we don't like that, the start of them, and people wanting or don't think that they can be successful um, from the time they graduate on or um, starts when they're in middle school and elementary school when they people get upset that they want to they want to fail them and that doesn't start them off on the right path and if even like the like not not the not to attack this point of view or anything but like even the opposite I won't say what point of view it is but the opposite point of view of mine of to pull pull people people have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps but if you're when they're minors if you're cutting their bootstraps and not letting and you're taking their shoes away they can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and that starts with people that aren't engaging with students in a way that is helpful to them to grow and uh, make something and and give back to their community or grow to a, a bigger standing, it starts whenever people are upset that they can't fail them or they want to fail them, whether for prejudice or whether for just they want to, these kids can't handle it and they want to challenge them, but they can't handle it or whatever. Uh, it starts with that and it moves onward. John. Um. So uh, one of the points I made about this was like, uh, it was based at Dakota's point, but we got to build confidence at this age. We're not, you know, I know Chelsea's situation is different because she's in high school um, where GPA matters and it's a credit-based system. But in middle school, like when I was a sixth grade, I remember, you know, I I'd rush through my work a lot. Though. I was like, I was the type of person that I didn't want the A. If I could just get a B and get done in three minutes, then I was happy with that. Uh, that's how I've always kind of been. I like to be done. Um, it's how I'm with lesson planning too. So the first year really sucks because I can't just be done. Um, so that, that bugs me. Uh, but you know, and what we got to make these kids feel smart. We got to make them feel like they can do this content because sometimes they'll have a great discussion in class. Like they'll, uh, you know, have points about real life issues and they'll have something of value to contribute to the conversation. And then you know, they'll take a quiz about some keywords or something, and I, and I hope they learn the keywords, but if they don't, like, then, you know, whatever. I'm still going to give them participation grade for being there and contributing. And I, I, I just don't get the point of, like, failing sixth graders unless, like, you really feel like, you know, something's wrong with their development. But uh, if, you know, if they're, like, on par really just chill out like we need to build confidence and i don't think that challenge them yes but i i don't feel like it comes from um the way they're thinking but 
I don't know. Right. What am I? And I'm just a first year I, teacher. What do I know? <laughs> right. Exactly. We're just 20 something year olds. Um, so we don't know anything. Uh, but one, one thing that I always like to like remind myself or tell people is that like, I teach U S history and I teach the constitution, something that's like involved in every single day life, or I teach George Washington or whatever. But if, if students become, if students come into my classroom and leave my classroom a better human being, but they don't know what or who Andrew Jackson or Martin Van Buren or the what the 18th Amendment is, like that's okay with me. Like if they leave a better human than they came back came out and they're more kind and they love the person their peers more afterwards than they did before but they don't even if they don't know who how the american revolution started like that is perfectly okay with me yeah i mean um and and let me just to just to tag on to uh what john was saying what what i can say like i can only speak for for my district but i will say that okay cps they're making great strides in trying to get equity across um I do think that that is something that that is important that people should know. Um, with that, you know, there there are those. It's, it's kind of an old school thinking that's going away, of just trying to fail students. I don't know if that is part of them, you know, a teacher just giving up, or if it is just what they were taught. But you know, I think that you know when we when we Talk about, you know, teachers and really a lot of public servants um, kind of are kind of in this way where it is a systematic thing of, you know, the way we treat like the poor and, and minorities and a lot is it's it's not it's not on the same playing field. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's you, you know, a lot of people are most people are playing on a you know, we're, we're on a football team with everyone's padded up and then you have a lot of the minorities on the other team. They don't even get pads They're but they're playing football just like we are. And so they're, they're behind because of that. Um, and you have a lot of teachers who I don't think understand that. Um, a lot of teachers, uh, you know, their backgrounds are usually white middle-class, um, they, I'm not saying that they don't have any empathy for it, but maybe they just don't understand the, the culture right. of being uh, poor. Um, you know, I, I know I can, I think we can all agree on this. All four of us really grew up in a more impoverished um, background. And I wouldn't say, well, you know, maybe we are weren't, we all weren't poor, but we at least understand the struggle a little bit, at least a little bit. I mean, right. we all had our, you know, advantages, but, Beside that, and you know, there were times when I was a kid where I I had other things in my mind besides school, and there were days where I didn't care about what we were doing for class or what we were doing for anything. Like I, you know, I was like, you know, am is my mom going to be all right when I get home? Am I going to have a way to get home? And what's for dinner tonight? Is there going to be dinner tonight? You know, those were things that I thought about as a kid. And so 
when I, I think about that every time I see a student who hasn't completed an assignment and I try to give them chance after chance, um, unfortunately, we're still in a system where the grades are, are the ultimate measure. But I mean, hopefully we, we're, we're starting to go away from that. And I do feel like, like this is the start of it really. Um, so I, I will be more hopeful than probably a lot of people in that. But um, right. as for the, the teachers that, that want uh, failing, um, they're, they're slowly getting out of it. They're honestly, they're usually not the ones that make it very far. So I'll just leave right. that one there. And, yeah. And I'll just add before Chelsea goes that for a more equitable, we need equity and for a more equitable world, we need more equitable education. And on your example of football and pads, we have to give people what they need to succeed, not play, give an even playing field or whatever. But we, we, it's kind of like the electoral college for Republicans. We need, uh, they need a higher stepping stone than, than what other people need. Um, and we need to, uh, Give them what, give people and students, especially students of color, what they need to succeed or else we won't end up in a more equitable world. That was a little shot at the Electoral College and Republicans, but <laughs> Love Chelsea, it. you can go ahead. Um, see if my Wi-Fi works. Uh, I was going to say that I think a lot of it goes with uh, the older teachers, the veteran teachers are worried about the zeros and the 50 bases. Uh, they're worried about accountability going away. And I still think we need to hold the students accountable. I mean, that doesn't mean that we're going to fail them if they haven't been doing stuff, but that means that if they haven't been doing anything, we're still not going to pass them if you haven't put any effort. But if they do put effort forward, that's what the 50 base is for. So She's gone again. <laughs> okay, I'm back. So I was saying, okay, they are trying, so they're putting effort. And that's really all I want to see is this effort so I get that they're not going to be able to do it all. And I think the accountability is still there with the 50 base. So I think that's why they're a little worried. I think also for me, I feel like it's still fair to say that even though um, we don't necessarily feel like we have to have them know every single detail, it is still sad that they're not getting a lot of this important information, especially in high school. I, when we did go to the AB schedule, I did get to talk about the Electoral College with my government kids and how laws are made. And then U.S. history, I got to talk about the Tulsa Race Massacre that happened right here in our backyard. Because a lot of times kids will go online after they've graduated and say, we never learned about this in school. We never got to learn about this. We're not learning anything important. So I do think it's sad that we're missing out on a lot of this important information. But uh, we did get to get a little bit of it across. So I was happy that I did get to get, keep them informed about how the government works, about tragedies that have happened right here in Oklahoma and things like that. Someone asked me the other day, a family member asked, asked me why I chose history to teach. And I told them, I said, it's literally every single day of your life is, in fact, is impacted. And not to say that English, math, and science aren't, which they're not. Um, but literally every single day of your life is impacted by things that I teach in my class. So for example, the First Amendment. I talk and I have the right to speak freely um, every single day of my life. And for John, the Second Amendment, he has that right every single day. 
um, <laughs> and uh, and and the t the Tulsa race massacre and uh, the other other things that have happened in history that still have impact on us today and the fact that people in North Tulsa where the Tulsa race race massacre lived 10 years less on average than people in South Tulsa because and it all can go back to the Tulsa race Ma Tulsa race massacre and so on and so uh but unless anyone else has anything to say that was a mumble word uh we will uh move on to john talked alluded to it a little bit uh talking about how he's worn out a bit but just talking about mental health and burnout as a teacher or as help dealing with the political situation over the past year or with covid or uh, anything so does anyone have anything just off the top of their head about you know burnout danny yeah, I, I mean, I do. I mean, this is this is my second year teaching. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you you do start you always start to fill it around this time of year, whether you're in class or not. Um, just because it, you start to go through the motions and you start to second guess yourself as a teacher. And then you it, it, it happens every year to every teacher ever. And then we get refocused and power through. Um, but this year is especially hard because, you know, I don't, you know, I can't, you know, reach out and see my students every day. Um, I'm, you know, pretty much here in my apartment alone, um, just, you know, talking, really talking at them, um, hoping that they can get something out of it. And you do start to second guess. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm also working on different ways of, of being able to um, connect with them. I think that I have been a little bit successful in that, but um, it does take a toll. It takes a toll just pretty much feeling like you're talking to yourself, um, feeling like you're not really doing things right. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've actually uh, started going to therapy um, as like a way to really uh, build that. Um, I mean, to build my personal mental health, but also, being able to get through some of the stuff that has been really hard that is related to teaching virtually. John. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a, where do we start with this topic kind of thing. Um, I guess I'll relate it to education first, since we're still like kind of walking off that bridge and then we can move towards more like personal and political. Um, but as in terms of burnout with education, a lot of it for me is a lesson planning because um, I kind of, because, you know, for new teachers, you usually get paired with a mentor teacher and they're more experienced and they give you a lot of but files and stuff so you can have to do make less yourself. Um, I didn't get that. Um, in my school, I'll basically say it, I am like a first-year veteran. Uh, like, I help people with the technology. I make lessons for others. I, you know answer questions for everybody like I am a presence in the building that it's like you'd think I'd be I'd been there for 10 years with the way that I like you know handle my work and unfortunately I am a first-year teacher so I still do have to make lessons every weekend and every night because I don't have like stuff I've been using for five years that I can just reuse and that's tried and true because um, I mean even experienced teachers are just editing their lessons to make them digital and you know stuff like that right now but I have to create them from scratch. And I made a bunch this summer 
but I was going based off the textbook and not the standards because uh, I had picked up a bad habit and then I had to remake them because they were garbage. And um, overall, it's been rough. And uh, I'm going to probably all school year be making lessons over the weekends and stuff like that. I'm going to spend my summer vacation this year making lessons uh, because to get ready for the next year and probably throughout the next year. It's just never going to end until like my third year teaching. So, and if I change subjects, then I'm screwed. So, um, I am bummed about that. I hate making lessons. I just want to do them. I just want to teach. I hate lesson planning. On top of all the meetings, too, my God, there is so many meetings. And they always, like, I appreciate my school's PLC culture, but they just pile them on. And it is so dreadful. I dread meetings. I hate them. And um, I, I don't know. We There's so much burnout going on. And our school's just really taking a lot of punches. We've had staff leave. We've had, you know, the E3 thing in our district, which is the electronic education. Teachers switched to that when we were going to be in person. Um, so we've lost teachers that way, and schedules are now getting moved around. Um, our head principal's on maternity leave right now. So uh, our school's just a lot different. There's just so much change, and my school has taken a lot of a beating. And we're, we're fighting through, and we're doing good, but it's tough. I am burnt. And, you know, we... Before fall break and the ice storm, the ice storm really kicked us in the balls. Like, um, the ice storm is really bad because we had, for those of you listening that aren't in Oklahoma, if anybody, uh, we had an ice storm that shut out power for a couple weeks. For us in like, you know, I live in Norman, we only were out for a day. But like in OKC, where I teach, they were out for like two weeks, which is like basically ice Mageddon from like 2009, where I was out of power for two weeks in my hometown. So, um, right. We were like the kids, like really into it, and we had awesome classes, and we were getting stuff done. And then we came back from that. We were in class for a day after fall break, and then the ice storm happened. So we've never been the same since. So, in terms of right. burnout education, we'll talk about burnout and other stuff later before I go on for thirty minutes. But that's my burnout education. It sucks right now. I'm burnt, uh, and I don't know what to do about it. Right. I I told my wife last night that I just had so much to do. I still have so much to do. I probably haven't done much of any of it, but I have like, so I'm also in school right now and like next week's finals week. And I have a 25 page paper to do and a 10 page paper to do, but also like I have my lessons for last week that I put on for my students and I have to put my lessons for next week. And then I have to uh, check how many students were absent and check how many uh, and call parents that were of the students that were absent. And then I have like three, I have my PLC meeting with my mentor teacher. And then I have my hallway or my, you know, with my other, the math, science, English teacher meeting. And then like I have a faculty meeting and then I have like a new teacher meeting. And then I have to do these two different trainings. And I'm like, there's just so much. And I was like, I, I think it was, it was a week before Thanksgiving break. I had like one meeting get moved four times that I missed a different meeting because I was like, I don't, there's so many meetings going running around. That I don't even know what time I'm supposed to be where. And I used to not be like organized. I'm still pretty not organized. But I started keeping a calendar this year of like what, what, okay, so double, there's double reason I started using a calendar this year. 
uh, A, because I needed to be organized and I'm not organized. So I started putting, you know, Monday I'll do this, Tuesday I'll do this and everything. But also because I watched, what is it, Madam Secretary? And this guy got in trouble. Not that I would do anything to get in trouble, uh, but hopefully. But this uh, act, one of the characters got in trouble and he had kept a calendar to like prove him that he was this place at this time. And so I was like, maybe if this will be an alibi <laughs> I ever get in trouble. It's my calendar saying, oh no, I was in a meeting on Thursday at 3.15. Um, so, but I, I'm just, I was talking to my wife yesterday or the day before and I was like, there's just so much to do right now and I don't know where to start. And I have no, I, and, Kavanaugh. <laughs> and I, uh, just don't know where to start and it's just giving me like a lot of anxiety and i was like just christmas break hopefully come soon so chelsea did you have anything to say yeah for the mental health for education i was just going to say like uh i've learned to not read comments most of the time on social media posts because especially for us being in a state where a lot of people claim they're pro-education, there's a lot of negative comments towards teachers, whether they're saying we're not doing enough or we're doing too much, or saying some people say we don't need teachers anymore. Look, they're doing stuff online. The kids can just do it themselves when clearly this is not sufficient. We're just doing this because of necessity. So I've my mental health regarding education, I've just learned to try to minimize the amount of comments I read on social media because they clearly don't understand the situation that we're in. A lot of people, a lot of people do, and there are still a lot of supporters I've seen, especially people that I've met throughout my educational journey. But people you don't know, don't read the comments on social media posts because they're definitely going to make you depressed. Literally the other day I was reading because uh, our district posts on Facebook when they will be closed and everything. So like for like the next week we're distance learning and everything. And there were so many negative comments on there and I wanted to comment and my wife was like, please don't comment. Um, Cause I comment on everything. But she was like, please don't comment. And I was like, I just want to comment. Like none of these people are teachers and they're like, oh, you guys all make all the terrible decisions. and. I have to do this so my kid can do work and I have to help my student with, or my kid with their homework and whatever. And I just, they, I just wanted to say a lot of things that like you're prioritizing something. Well, I saw one comment. I don't know who it was. Uh, he said, I'm not worried about my daughter getting COVID because we've already had it. And I was like, oh, you know, just forget everyone else. Like, as long as you're, you're, you're not worried about your daughter getting it, like, forget everyone else. But you can go forward, Danny. Yeah, well, in the add to that, I do want to want to say that as, as a teacher who's also a parent, um, you know, I do, I do understand where the parents are coming from in that because it's not, it's not easy to find Childcare, especially if you have a young child. Um, right, you know, I have a I, daughter uh, that's eleven months old. Yeah, ex well, yeah, my, mine's two, so she's not in school yet. But I still have that struggle of having to find childcare, and um, you know, I, so I do understand the frustration from parents. I do think that it's aimed at the wrong people. Um, honestly, is there a person that it should be aimed at? Because 
I mean, I don't think the virus will care, but um, I do. But I do like feel the frustration. Like I do understand the frustration, but at the same time, it's it's still like there's everyone needs something, someone to blame it on, and you know, it's easy to we're an easy target. Did you want to elaborate further on burnout in general, John? Because yeah, um, yeah, go ahead. I have a little piece because uh, when you know we were talking about you know in the chat itinerary, um, po- toxic positivity is a topic that Chelsea actually just brought up, and it's so relevant. And I feel bad for our principals because they are trying to keep their teachers both employed and happy by using toxic positivity without knowing it because it is all they have to offer. Like we're, you know, in our, in our PLCs, a lot of teachers like, I'm so tired of the empty platitudes and in my head. And I tell them like, I know it's annoying. It really is, but that is all they can give us. <laughs> like, you know, cause none of this is their call. None of this, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel bad for our admins cause they're just finding YouTube videos and inspiration, hoping that it can give us like a drop of positivity and that's all they have and it's, it's not our admins fault like our admins need to be given something to help us with um so i feel really bad we have one of my principals he's so positive and i'm just like dude how are you doing this you've got to be faking it bro like right i literally have the best principal and it's like i could i couldn't be in his situation right now especially like with you know obviously experience like he's experienced to do this but if I had to handle this as a principal, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. And obviously he's trained to do it, but I give all the props to him. And especially my admin, like there's some decisions that, you know, I wouldn't have made like for, I won't go into it. Um, but the, there's, uh, <laughs> the, uh, there's, I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought. Um, but well, not, go ahead. Okay. Are you okay? Well, I was just going to say that. Um, no, I was just going to of... say that like our admin that we have, like not the, like the district admin, like our superintendent and everything. Um, and all the people at the administration building, like they're like, I am not, I'm super grateful to be in the district that I am because our district is actually making wise decisions. And even though like they're, they're doing what they can with what they have and they're doing as best as they can. And I respect it. Yeah. I was going to say, especially I was going to brag on my school because I felt super supported, especially as a new teacher the instructional coach, the admin, my mentor teacher, they're always checking on me, making sure I'm okay and everything's good. And there's not, I don't really think there's a lot of toxic positivity. It's more of like, we're, we're going to get through this. Like, this isn't ideal at my school. It's just, we're going to get through this. I think the toxic positivity comes from a lot of other teachers as well. I see on social media where they'll be like, we aren't doing this for the pay. We're doing this because we like it. Well, that is the case, but that doesn't mean that we want to do extra work. 
no job you do, you want to do extra work. We do love what we do, but that doesn't mean we're just going to overwork ourselves and kill ourselves doing it. So, but my school has been super supportive. Uh, we can move on. John, you posted something a while back. I can't remember exactly what it was about, uh, but you talked about the political situation that we were in. Because uh, at one point you found yourself not knowing which side to go on and kind of feeling like helpless to help people. And um, so elaborate or go forth on that point or any thoughts you have. Yeah, yeah. I remember the post and it was like, how do you care about these topics and like live a happy life? Because people, especially like I, I consider myself like sort of a political anomaly, like a center left, like libertarian type. Like I, I don't fully cling to the left. I don't fully cling to like, you know, the libertarian side. I think all their economics are in, eh. you know what I mean? I'm all over the place. And, um, I, um, I was like, how do we care about these issues going on right now? And, um, you know, be happy because it drives me insane reading these comment sections or trying to reason with people like, whether it be older family members or old friends or people who just take the wrong sides of every issue or like whether it be based on fact or opinion. Um, and especially with, and this is where I'm going to get a little bit political, sorry, uh, admins or whatever, but the, the MAGA cult dude, like it has created such a horrid, horrid culture. And that's not just them. They, uh, the MAGA cult has also created a toxic culture on the left as a response. And, Sorry, I know that you know a lot of people that are friends with us or our age group or our profession are going to be leftists. I'm cooking y'all too, so um, sorry, right. um, Danny. Danny, sorry, you're a communist. I'm going to cook you. Um, so um, the left is not free of blame in this either, and I feel like they contribute a lot to the the toxicity too. But nobody, especially on the left right now, because right now we're in a more of a right uh, dominated government, is happy. We are miserable. This is terrible. And I was just asking people on their Facebook, how do they like care about these issues? Because I don't want to just, you know, people say that to not care about politics is privileged. It is. And it's taking advantage of privilege and not caring about other people's problems. And I get it. But when I didn't care, I was so much happier of a person. And I'd crave that again so badly. I know I'm privileged and I want to take advantage of it without feeling like an asshole. So I was like, how do I balance that was what i was asking and we we talked about it in our group chat we didn't come up with any great answers so like right uh, like, there is no right answer so it's like I, how do I, I you how do you care without not being overwhelmed like yeah because sometimes i just like i like i don't like i won't get into this but i like whenever i found out that joe biden had been elected but I'm not the biggest Joe Biden fan, and I don't think any of us are the biggest Joe Biden fans. But it just felt like I stepped outside, and it was kind of a coldish day. But it felt like it was easier to breathe outside than it was ten minutes before then, just because life might be a little easier for some people that are not like me. So life might be easier for people who are Muslim or people who are his, Hispanic or immigrants or black or um, in the LGBT community. And it just, 
to constantly care about those things like and I know that like it is privileged to say that like we can switch it on and off but like I and I know they are more worn out than we are because they're the ones who are actually actually experiencing it but it does wear people out Chelsea do you have anything to say because you are directly affected yeah, so I remember whenever you guys first asked this question, and I couldn't really think of an answer to give you guys because I am a African American. So for me, it's never just really occurred to me like, how do I just like shut it off? Which I know that's not what you guys are saying, but to me, it's just always going to be on the back burner with these social issues because I've seen it affect family and friends directly. For me, it's kind of just like, Whenever you go on social media, I'm not going to ignore anything that happens, but sometimes you just got to get away from it. As long as you guys are using your voice, that's what you guys have been doing. You've been doing a great job at it. That's our biggest um, That's our biggest weapon, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. So if you see something on social media and you just ignore it, then that's where the privilege comes in. But if you see it and you don't have to write a huge think piece on it, but just share it, talk about how it's injustice. And, you know, I know it can get overwhelming seeing a lot of that stuff. So there, there's days when you're just going to have to tune out and you're just going to have to like not get on social media. The problems will still be there the next day, the next week, whenever you come back. And it's not your individual job to take care of the whole world. Just as long as you're actively coming back to it after you've taken a break, I think that's probably the best solution because it does affect people. And with COVID too, that's affecting everyone. So that's something that's like, I'm not going to ignore stuff, but sometimes you do need to take a break. Yeah. Like uh, you can't save the world, but I just read that you can't save the world in a book, but you can do what you can, you know, but Danny, you can go ahead. Well, you know, also with us being teachers who do teach in mostly minority schools, all four of us, um, you know, it, it is our also our job to be um, sensitive to those things and to be able to and to not be afraid to talk about them, either with our students or even outside of school with other adults. Um, you know, I, I think that that's really important for us. I think that's something that we do have to take on um, as as educators ourselves to show students that you know we we recognize that there are issues. There are issues with race. And there's issues with, um, you know, gender and people's sexuality. There are issues that are still around. Um, there are still, you know, um, oh, status issues such as, you know, how much money you make, all of that. Um, I, and I think that we really do a good job of, um, I'm just patting us on the back right now, but we do a really good job of really knowing recognizing the issues even if we don't know how to right. solve them like we're not heroes but we know we at least recognize them and that's that's a start right uh i i one of the things that i think of during this is how john mentioned the toxic environment that some culture the he called the the maga culture maga culture um, brings and the left response to it brings, uh, but I think 
I think it's interesting or it's very poignant to point out like how the conservative MAGA culture is also rooted in what they believe is the correct religious response. And I'm the opposite religious left or not left, but liberal response. And then John, you offer something completely different than both, which is the irreligious, non-liberal, non-conservative perspective. Uh, yeah, um, I, I can hop in and um, kind of share what I what I feel because I don't feel like I fit in in politics. So that's why it's especially stressful to discuss it online for me is because, you know, I can get cooked by a MAGA person for, you know, having left views or looking kind of feminine or whatever. And then I don't have a leftist group. Like Rose Twitter is not going to back me up and make me feel better. They're going to kick my ass too. So it's right. like I have nobody to go to. Um, and I can't go to the center left either because, you know, we're going to clash about gun issues. I think that everybody should be armed. And, um, the point of guns is for, you know, blasting police. And I'll say that openly. Um, but, um, anyways, I, I also thought bring like the non-religious, like Dakota said, I am a staunch atheist. I was a former Baptist for many years. Um, I, um, actually fronted a Christian metal group, embarrassingly enough, we were ass. <laughs> um, but like, uh, uh, yeah, I did that. And I, and, and, you know, I own that L, but so I, and I don't have a religious group to go back to too. And I know that both sides, both left and right love to say that Jesus was in their political party. Like I know Dakota leans towards the Jesus was progressive and wanted to free people anti Pharisee. And then there's the right, which has a point because, you know, Jesus never debunked the Old Testament and religion is inherently authoritarian and usually conservative in my view. So um, I I don't fit in anywhere is kind of the point. And I think for me, that's why it also became extra stressful is because I didn't have a group to go back to to support me. So, um, right. And Chelsea I made a great Jesus... Oh, sorry. You're good, bro. No, you're, no you, you can finish your point. Oh, Chelsea made a great point. Like, you don't have to write a think piece on everything. And I fell into that habit really hard because I was really radicalized this summer. I went further left than I'd ever been and more than I left than I ever cared to be this summer because after watching George Floyd's death, I was furious. And the response to George Floyd's death and the response to federal agents in Portland abducting people and dumping them in the streets and having people argue and defend that um, just set me off in a way that I never cared to be. And I was constantly posting about it. I was constantly arguing with somebody about it. And it strained my relationships. It strained my ability just to think properly. And it, it lowered my will to live. And, and, I, and I'll be straight up. Uh, and I mentioned it when I brought up the you know thing I said in the meeting is that I have struggled with thoughts of suicide my, since I was like eight years old and uh, have had to be on suicide watch when I was at university. Um, and this shit isn't helping dude. like the left hasn't found a way to make this. It's not supposed to be fun politics and supposed to be fun, but I feel like we need to get the basics right politically so that it can be minor things that we disagree on so that we can focus on things we like 
because nobody enjoys this shit. Um, but I'll let somebody else talk because I've been going too long. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, just, I mean, really, I just want to add on to that. But, you know, I do think that, and this is something that we can teach our kids, we're mixing up political issues with social issues really bad. And that is something that is, you know, like, like a, a political issue would be, should we tax rich people or not? That's a political issue that people should be able to agree or disagree on. The fact that, um, you know, police are able to get away with murder is not a political issue. It's a social issue that, quite frankly, should upset everyone, even if you right. don't necessarily you know, agree with, with me on that, it should still upset you in a way where, you know, um, you know, what, how much does, you know, how much is a life really worth at that point, you know? And, and, and this is something that, again, a lot of our students, minorities, students, um, it's something that they have to grow up with. And so it's, it's something that I think about a lot. Every time I see, you know, a, a a police shooting a kid or really just a minority person. I think about my students and I think about it could possibly be one of them someday. And that terrifies me. Right. I like you put up a good point that some things are, you know, political issues. Should, should we use our tax money to build a new park or should we, have a more should we spend more or less money on the military or the, like those things are political issues but should someone live or die is not a political issue in my opinion like it is a human rights issue and i don't think human rights issues are up for debate like if someone one of the things that i try to think of when i'm deciding my opinion on an issue is is everyone's life in this situation becoming better or worse and if it's not becoming better then we're, we're there's something wrong and there's something off here and there's some unbalance in the universe whenever someone's life is not getting better during a situation um so i i guess i would and that and that goes to like mental health and everything too because like then i'm forming an opinion or even <laughs> Even like, like we know people who, and we teach people and we're friends with people who are of different genders and religions and races. Uh, so we like, whenever I see those, like those add to my mental health and whether it's up or down, because I'm like, could this be my daughter that's being, you know, objectified by older men or is, someone that I know that is a um, in, on here on permanent residency um, from a ma ma majority Muslim country, then now they're not being able to immigrate to what's supposed to be the greatest country on earth. Like the, those aren't that adds. And, and I feel like that adds to, and whenever I see people who are saying, things that are negative about them than that. And like, I know that person and it's just like, I don't want a relationship and to be involved with people who don't think that 
all of these humans, no matter what they look like or they believe or whatever, are not caring about other people, right? Chelsea, you had something to add. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of it has to do with our individualist society. So all of these things that have become political issues that really shouldn't all stem down to the fact that people don't really see it as an issue until it affects them or someone around them. So the Black Lives Matter issue, if it's not affecting someone they know, they don't see it as an issue. Or COVID, if it's not affecting someone they know, they don't see it as an issue. And because we aren't collectivists and we aren't individualists as a society, this is what's causing a lot of these human rights things to become ingrained in politics because they just can't wrap their head around the fact that if it's not affecting me, how is this an issue? So. Well, um, I, I, I agree. Um, one of the, I've gone back to that in multiple discussions and people think that it's, and like John said, you said something earlier about how I think Jesus was progressive, which I don't know if I would agree or disagree with that because I don't think Jesus was beholden to any political party, but that's like a whole nother um, discussion. But I think that in my opinion and where I get my personal opinions from is that, and I know that even if you're not someone who believes in Jesus or anyone or someone who believes that Muhammad is the prophet or someone that doesn't believe Jesus is divine. I think that Jesus cared about people and their well-being and they he wanted better for them. And I think that that's something that we should be able to all agree on. And I think that that goes back to education. I think that goes back to our mental health. Are we caring about people and wanting the best for their well-being? So any uh, final thoughts that anyone has? Uh. I can I could pop in again. I'd be talking too much. Um, yeah. So uh, about what Chelsea was talking about, you know, I actually consider myself pretty individualist, to be honest, because um, I've, uh, you know, I grew up in like the scene era where everybody wanted to look pretty unique and like be themselves and not be a part of like the the group. So that's also kind of why I have some pretty contrary takes. Uh, but. I, I also feel like there's a war on information and, and uh, info wars. And that's not what I'm saying. But like, uh, there's like, um, people never, people don't care about being correct. They just want to win the argument. Uh, so people say science is fake. Uh, people say, uh, you know, journalism's fake. History's fake. School's bad. College is stupid. You know what I mean? So it's just like, where's the beacon of information and they usually turn to religion and to lately donald trump who that's scary to be turning to a political leader like that because we're history majors we saw how that worked out the other times and he's been making some jokes that rubbed me wrong with trump uh, i'll run for six terms <laughs> um you know what and there's like it's just a joke and i was like okay don't make it <laughs> and like um, you know what I mean? So I, it, I don't think it's just their individualist culture, though people don't care until it affects them. Chelsea was right about that. Uh, but I think it's also nobody wants to be correct anymore. And trying to be correct makes you look like some like elitist liberal snob or something like that. And that's not what I want to be. I just want to say, hey, the take you just spouted isn't true. 
and I found a good place to prove it. And when you do that, they just treat you like you're some academic snob. And I'm not. You've heard me say so many curse words in this. And, like, I grew up pretty low income. I have a mohawk, for fuck's sake. Like, come <laughs> on. Um, you know, I'm not, like, a hyper-academic. Like, I just care about being correct. And I hate that. So I think that contributes as well. So I was just adding to Chelsea's point. Right. I think the truth matters. Absolutely. Danny, any final thoughts? Yeah, just um, you know, I'm I'm a pretty um positive person overall and I I have like I live on on hope. It's what keeps me going honestly. Um, you know, but I again with with education, it's it's a hard it's it's a hard place to be in. Right it's it's uh, education is a hard place to be in right now. And with all of our with all of our experience and everything like that, we are, um, you know what, come back to me. <laughs> Danny has emotions that he can't control. Uh, I, hear, but... I can, I can, I can, go. <laughs> I can finish it. I'm sorry. I, um, <clears throat> so I do feel that, you know, education is in a hard place right now. There's not a, a great place for it to really go until we have gotten past this pandemic. So yeah, that, that is my final thought. Chelsea, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> no. No, I spoke my piece. I think we've had a great conversation today. Good. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention uh, a thought that I had earlier, uh, but we were talking about accountability and grades and everything. And we all like, I'll give a real world example. I had, I got a C in economics in at UCO, which economics is not something I care about, but also I had it online and I didn't have a, I mean, I, I couldn't, I can't say whether or not the person was a good professor or not, but he, or the, the person, I don't know if it was he or she, I think it was a she, uh, they, I didn't care about it and they didn't make me care about it and they didn't hold me accountable and everything, but we also had, so I got to see, um, but I also had a professor we all had a professor that we, it was hard. The class was hard, but all I think, John, you said you almost wanted to quit in this, in our social studies methods class with Dr. Justin Olmstead. But also he, it was a super hard class and we also all wanted to quit. And it was our, you know, we were having senioritis and everything, but he was holding us accountable and also making it enjoyable for us. So like, that is like someone not someone, well, definitely someone, but also something that we can all achieve for as being teachers is holding people accountable, but also like giving them what they need as educators and everything. Uh, but John, you just mentioned in our chat about giving one solution for political mental health. So um, you go ahead and we'll finish up with Danny and Chelsea. Um, give me just a moment. Um, cause it is hard to be solution oriented in this situation because I do believe in solution oriented thinking. 
but this is something that doesn't have any right answers. Um, I would say try to make light of it sometimes. I know that like a lot of the center left, like late night talk show drunk jokes are cringe. Um, but I mean, try to make light of it, share some memes about it. Um, uh, because at the end of the day, the situation is so horrible, whether it be in terms of like the progress on black lives matter, we haven't gotten any real legislation through or whether it be about COVID and Kevin Stitt's day of prayer. Uh, great idea. Totally worked the first time. Um, and whether one any of those things, just try to share some funny memes, try to like, have a laugh. Uh, that's really all we got right now. Um, but that'll be my one solution is try to have a laugh. Uh, my solution is um, walk away from it. You know, like the it was hard to get away when there was an election. Um, there's not an election now. And so, you know, it's it's OK to separate yourself from the news for a few days or a week. It's okay. Um, it'll be there when you get back. So that, that would be my solution. Save your, save your own mental health. Yeah, you guys both made really good points. Those were what I was saying. Like, for one, laughing helps a lot with the mental health. So if you take a time and on TikTok, there's a lot of political stuff on there still, but I could spend forever on TikTok just laughing about the dumbest stuff and keeping my mind off of it. Or watching a show that has nothing to do with politics, reality TV, it's great for that. And also just like picking your battles and knowing that you don't have to respond to every single thing you see as long as you're speaking out about injustice. Right, uh, as John and I know that uh, reality TV can take away from some of the pressures because we're currently watching whether Tasha Adams fix her bachelor nation. <laughs> exactly. Joseph um, did nothing wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes he did. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Bennett uh, did nothing wrong. <laughs> I can agree with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is uh, we'll wrap this conversation up and uh, thing that I would say about mental health in general or um, something that Danny alluded to and that John has uh, and people and I've done myself. I have a, I have a shirt or a, a sweatshirt that says going to therapy is cool. So, you know, get some help or talk to people or even if it's like your friend, like I have coffee with two friends um, twice a week and whether I'm talking about whether, you know, life sucks right now or, something exciting that's coming up, which something exciting is coming up. But uh, whether I'm talking about that or whatever, like I can just get those thoughts out and, and process them. So they're not all beholden in my head and heart the entire time. Uh, Cause if I do then I get really bad anxiety. So I, I, and I don't have fortune. So whether it's political mental health or education, mental health or anything. Um, I think the overall two thoughts is that care about other people that you come in contact with or people that you don't come in contact with because it could be someone you come in contact with. Um, and also uh, talk to people, get it off your chest. So um, thank you all. Um, I thank you for your hearts and mind and candor in this conversation. And um, I love you all. And we'll see everyone next week.